Hi there, and thanks for checking out another episode of Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for a Sunday, September 5th, 2021. Let's begin our time together with a reading from the letter of James. James writes, My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, Have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, Stand there, or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those that love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. The Word of the Lord May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hi there, everybody. Today I'd like to begin by telling you the story of two monks. These two men were members of a rather austere but faithful monastic order. As a whole, the community was genuinely devout and dedicated to prayer, study, and raising money for the poor through their work. One of the unusual attributes of this community was a particularly strict view around their vows of celibacy. In an effort to avoid the slightest implication of impropriety, each man who joined the order vowed never to speak to a woman again without explicit permission. One day, two brothers left the confines of their order and began journeying toward another monastery for business. One of the men was elderly and had lived in his community for many years. A few years earlier, he had been entrusted with the leadership of the community, and he began serving as the abbot of the monastery. The second man was in his early twenties and very devoted to God. Unlike the older man, this younger man had just started his life in the community. As they walked along enjoying nature, they passed a river where they heard a voice crying out for help. As they grew closer, they could see a young woman in the middle of the fast-flowing river clinging to a rock for dear life. 
She was terrified and growing weaker by the moment. Her life was clearly in peril. Without hesitation, the young monk stripped to the waist, jumped into the river, and pulled the young woman to safety. Having ensured her safety, the two men continued on their journey. After a few minutes, the awkward silence was broken by the angered abbot. He reminded the young man of his vows regarding celibacy. He expressed concern that physical contact with this young woman would lead the young man astray, at least in his thought life. The chiding went on for some time until the young man finally sat down on a rock, slumped and cradled his head in his hands. After a moment, he looked up at the elderly man, his face racked with frustration. Father Abbot, he said, you are correct that I technically broke my vow when I held that woman in my arms and carried her to shore. But, Father, I put her down on the shore. And you, well, you've been carrying her with us ever since. Obviously, this little story is meant as a kind of allegory for the way that we practice our faith. The two characters in this story are meant to represent men of great and singular devotion. They dedicated their lives to their faith, to study, and to prayer. When confronted by a crisis, one of them experienced a disconnect between faith and practice. The letter to the Hebrews defines faith as confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about those things that we do not see. Faith offers us hope during some of our darkest days. It sparks our imagination, inviting us to see the world in new ways. And faith inspires us to reach beyond where we ever thought possible to go. In contrast this morning, we heard from James, who writes, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or a sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. By no means does James diminish the importance of faith, but he reminds us that we need to find ways to give practical expression to our faith. Faith without some kind of visible practical expression is worthless. Our faith is like the fuel that motivates us on to greater things. But if that faith is the fuel, it doesn't do us much good if we never put the vehicle in gear. Put in today's language, a full tank of gas is a waste of money if the car never leaves the driveway. Reading James helps us realize that faith ought not to exist in isolation. When we give faith practical expression, it can change the world, but it needs that expression. This begs us each to ask how we put our faith into practice on a daily basis. You can phrase the same question in many ways. How does our doctrine affect our ethics? How does what we believe affect what we do? 
At its core, all of these questions are searching for some kind of practical, tangible expression of our faith. The letter of James pays special attention to the relationship between the rich and the poor. How do those with financial means treat those without them? Do the wealthy seek to bring honor to those who are financially less fortunate? In essence, how do people of financial means seek to level the playing field? But the relationship between the wealthy and those of modest financial means is just one example. All of the same questions can be asked about any relationship where a power imbalance exists. It doesn't take much effort to find those imbalances in our society. They exist between men and women, between those of European heritage and indigenous persons, between those in the ethnic majority and those who are visible minorities. James invites us to consider how our faith translates into action, particularly in those places where power imbalances are likely to exist. For James, there is a direct connection between an active and living faith and the physical needs of those who are marginalized. Although James was primarily concerned with those who were marginalized based on financial means, the principle extends beyond that. No matter what is causing that marginalization, injustice is a dark void into which our faith can speak hope and light. Hebrews describes faith as the assurance in that which we do not yet see. For James, that very thing that we do not yet see is equality for all persons, whether based on financial criteria, around gender issues, around race, or whatever other thing might divide us. Let's pray. Maker of us all, you call us to love our neighbors as ourselves and teach us that faith without works is dead. Open us to the ministries that lie before us, where faith and the needs of our neighbor come together in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen.